Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Business of Music podcast. My name is Elliot Towsley, and I'm from DeNovo Agency. My business partner, James Landry, and I help independent artists get in front of real organic audiences that we can use to take data from and build target audiences out of. Today, we have a live Q&A we did with a bunch of our clients, and we recorded the audio and put it into this podcast to try to help you learn how you can navigate the music industry. Enjoy. So, well, James... How we doing, man? Today is Wednesday. What's I'm going good. on? I'm wine Wednesday. That's right. Not much. I'm trying to think. I haven't heard any big news today. I haven't heard anything going on. Not a lot going on, but one of the good posts we had on DeNovo today was about how many streams it takes to actually count as a traditional record sale. And that started a lot of good conversation on our Instagram and that might be a good topic we can start diving in with. Um, I'll pull up the numbers real quick, but it used to be a gold record was very standard. If you sold 500,000 records, it was a gold record. If you sold a million, good luck. Yeah. Good job. You went platinum. Now with streaming, it's really hard to kind of do those calculations and to figure out how many streams it is that actually count as a record sale. So what we found was that the Recording Industry Association of America, the RI, considers 1,500 streams to equal one album sale. So a gold album now equals 750 million streams. And some quick math on that, if you're an artist, before any sort of royalty cut, the, before the distributor gets a cut, before your manager gets a cut, before whoever the hell gets a cut, the producers, let's not forget about them. Before anybody gets a cut, 750 million streams, a gold record generates about $4.5 million in total royalties. That was a long introduction, but what is, are your thoughts? Attorney, man, what are the, what's the attorney angle on those numbers? Gold, platinum, what they're trying to do is do the top 95th and 99th percentile of all sales. They don't want people to get these numbers. These aren't easy to achieve. Um, the numbers are the same for singles or albums. It's not like one song's going to just need less. It still needs that many streams in total to go gold or platinum. Bigger artists, they don't get it gold or platinum with all their songs. It's not something that's common. It's made that way on purpose. Uh, there are record deals that say if you make a gold or platinum album, you make more money off of it. Maybe you get a bigger cut or you get a bonus. And that's part of the incentive because record deals, record labels know it's not common. It's not something that's easy. And this is what Spotify is trying to make sure doesn't happen with fake streams. What they're doing is having the record deals. Sorry. Spotify is doing is fake streams are getting rid of them or trying to, watch out for them because they don't want people going gold and platinum off Spotify streams alone because it looks fake. People know it's fake. Those streams aren't just going to be on Spotify. They'll be Spotify, Apple Music, everything, radio spins, everything. Um, they do specifically say paid streams. And that's because paid streams are streams you get paid for. It's not going to be SoundCloud streams. You're not making royalties off those. And that's what paid streams means. Yep. And that was an interesting... Um, difference in the numbers because so, the IRAA or let me rephrase it because the billboard is another group in another chart that tracks gold records and they have the clear and unique distinction of counting paid streams so, whereas the RIAA considers 1500 streams period regardless of if, if they're from a streaming platform regardless if, yeah. if they're from a paid user whereas a, a non-paying member on Spotify hears that they count the stream, I believe. And then Billboard considers only the paid streams, but it only takes 1,250 streams to equal that one album sale compared to the 1,500 on the IRAA. I also think Billboard just had their attorneys involved. And the attorneys are like, nope, add the word paid, make it clear. 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised if IRAA has the same thing. They're only looking at platforms that actually people are paying to listen to music. Just like before, you wouldn't pay, you wouldn't count an album download if it was illegal. You wouldn't count a stream that wasn't paid out. Mm. Yep, that's a good point. And that may seem like a small difference in terms of one album sale, but when the difference between 1,500 streams on the IRAA and 1,250 on Billboard, on Billboard, to count as a gold album, it's 625 million streams compared to 750. So, I mean, you get a 125 million stream discount if you get with paid users. Yeah. So that was something interesting. And because we hear all the time, you know, J. Cole went platinum with no features. Russ went platinum being independent. And a lot of times... You know, in 1994, that was a clear benchmark. And nowadays, it's kind of hard to determine, or it was hard to determine, what it is that a platinum record actually meant. Yep. Trying to look at your questions. I think um, now might be a good time to kind of talk some more about Songflower. We've had a lot of people asking us about the music distribution software that we are going to be launching here in probably about two or three months. And Songflower is going to be just like whatever internet distributor you're using now. It's going to do the exact same thing as a CD Baby or a distro kit or ditto or whatever United Masters. Really, when it comes down to these distributors, they really all do the exact same thing. The only differentiator is how you, as an artist, pay for their service. And a lot of distributors, either all of the distributors have some sort of reoccurring payment. You are, as an artist, you are either giving up a percent of your equity, a percent of the royalties that your songs earn forever are now going to CD baby 10 or percent or whatever it is. Or there are other ones like distro kid that the reoccurring payment is okay. Yeah. It's $25 to upload your song. And then it's $25 every year. Well, if you're 23 making music and you love it, but then when you're 30, and you might not be making music anymore, but you don't necessarily want it down. Well, now you're going to be paying $25 per song per year until you decide that it's worth taking down because the second you don't pay, they're going to take it down for you. So Songflower is really going to do the same thing that all of these distributors do. They all do the exact same thing. No, there is no, oh, well, higher, they do it in a higher quality way. No, it's either on Spotify. They either put the file that you give them onto Spotify and Apple Music, or they don't. And there is no difference. What's going to be different about Songflower is how you pay for it. We're going to be the first, and as far as I know, the only distributor that allows musicians to pay for distribution one time upload the song one time for uh, we're going 49 bucks upload the song once and never have to worry about repaying for it again keep 100 percent of your royalties no reoccurring payments no hidden fees the music in and of itself is the reoccurring fee you shouldn't have to pay 20 bucks per song per year to me that's ridiculous so songflower is right around the corner it's in beta testing mode now. And once it's up, we're going to be giving away first song free just to test it out, figure out if you like the platform. And if you do, it's going to be the most cost-effective way to distribute music, period. I think a big thing people are forgetting about when it comes to distribution is they get comfortable with something. And they forget that they're giving up 8, 9, 10, 15% of their income. And you, it's easy to forget when you only have, say, 10,000 to 100,000 streams. But if that song does make it to a million streams, you've now paid 
thousands of dollars just to have that one song on your distribution platform on Spotify or Apple Music. Uh, one of the first things any record label is going to do if they sign you, a big record label, is tell you to take your music off of those platforms and let them distribute themselves because then you don't lose the money and you don't lose those fees to a third party. Yep. And that's a question we get all the time from our clients. They say, well, who do you recommend for distribution? And what we've noticed is music musicians aren't necessarily married to who they're using for distribution. And that is because they're, they're not super loyal to any one brand in particular because they all do the same exact thing. Now, you might like one person's website better than another, and it might just vibe with you. But in terms of the functionality of the service, they're all doing the exact same thing in the exact same way through the exact same toll booth. And right now, artists don't have the ability to call Spotify and say, hey, my album's coming out on Tuesday. Can I get it submitted? They require you to use a third party because they do not want to deal with this. They tried it, I think, for like a month. And they were like, nope, fuck this. And then they're like, we're leaving it to CD Baby and whoever. And they all do it the exact same way. Songflower, in terms of functionality, is going to be no different. What's going to be the difference is how you pay for it and how much money you're going to be able to save. Because if you have 100 songs, and that's $25 a year per song, I'm not a mathematician, but that's a fucking shit ton to keep some music that, you know, you had some fun making and maybe you didn't, you didn't, make, you didn't make it big. But you still want your friends and your the fans you do have to check out your music five, six, seven years from now. And you don't want them for it every year for what it will grow to be no reason. Yep. All right. We've got some questions, Elliot. I've yes, we I'm do. on my phone and figure this thing out. Here's a great question. It says, Oh, it's a long one. Okay. Am I protected if I register a track under my publishing that is under ASCAP, or do I also have to go onto the Gov site and go through the copyright process? This is a James question. Your song's copyrighted the moment you fix it into any medium. So once you actually record that song, write it down, anything like that, your song is copyrighted. ASCAP and BMI, all they do is collect performance royalties, nothing else. They do not protect your music for you. They collect money for you. If people are using your song, say, in a gym or some public setting, a bar or a gym, they go out, they get licensing fees, and then they split those up between the artists. If you, if you are going to sue someone for copyright infringement, you need to get it copyrighted through the government first. You have to prove you own that copyright. If you want someone to take it down off of YouTube, you need to get go through the government copyright process to prove to YouTube you own the copyright. In terms of protection, signing up for ASCAP BMI makes no difference than doing nothing. You should sign up for something. It also helps people know how to contact you if they want to sample your song. But there's absolutely no need to think, okay, sign up for ASCAP BMI because it protects you, because it's not protecting you at all. Yep. That's um, a concern we hear from clients frequently is, well, do I need to copyright my music? And do I need, you know, do I need to file paperwork to release a song? And no, imagine, cause think about the government side of if that 40,000 songs are uploaded on Spotify every day. Can you imagine if the way to do it was every single person had to go file a copyright for one of those? That would be absurd. <laughs> And yeah. um, in a good way, as soon as you fix it to a, a medium, meaning you could, this is actually a good example um, where the woman Lizzo took the line, I'm 100% that bitch or whatever from a tweet. Allegedly. Allegedly. She, she came back and then that, the person who wrote that tweet ended up getting writer credits. It maybe might only be 0.1% or something, but credit nonetheless because it was fixed to a medium, therefore it was copyrighted. It didn't need to be in a big production. It didn't need to be in a movie. It was her words in a medium, therefore a copyright was created. But that's a great question, and it's something that you don't need to worry about as soon as the song, you know, something you might need to worry about is if the beat you're using has a copyrighted sound in it. That's a problem. 
you're using somebody else's lyrics, that's a problem. But if it's a 100% original music, the minute you record it and release it, it's automatically protected by the copyright and you do not need to file some sort of paperwork. And I'm sure there are some attorneys somewhere who will tell you that you do, you, it'd be really, really beneficial and they'll do it for a thousand dollars. You don't need to do that. Attorneys love to take money every chance they get for things that people don't know. Yes, that is true. But I mean, that's kind of the music business in a whole is there are a lot of people who, yeah, like it might not be the most ethical move to tell somebody that they need to copyright, but Hey, it's business and they, it will help a little bit, I guess. And I'll take their money and they don't know any better. So, okay, cool. And we don't really believe in that approach. But here's another great question. This is from Hector. He says, is it smart to re-release old music even if you have a new project coming out? Re-release? Re-release was the word. I mean, if the music's out, there's no need to re-release it. It's not, you just have to market it. You have to advertise it. You're a business. You have a product. If it's not selling, you have to advertise that product. You don't have to pull it off the shelves and then put it back on the shelves. There's no need to do that unless you have an audience out there. Um, really, what you need to think about doing is advertise that old music before you release that new song. If you advertise your old music, you're going to set the platform and the foundation and have some fans for when you release that new song. Spotify will know who you are. Apple Music will know who you are. And they'll promote that new song for you, theoretically if they have patterns and know who likes your music, that's when you see release radar plays and stuff like that. If you just go straight into a new song, there's no guarantee you're going to get any release radar plays because no one is, nothing's different. You're just going to toss music out just like you did before and hope something changes. Yeah. Yeah. I think the keyword that he used here is re-release. Um, my short answer would be no, it's not smart to re-release old music, but it is smart to re-market quote unquote old music because music is still new to everyone who hasn't heard it yet. And if somebody from Illinois hears you today for the very first time and they like the song, the first thing they're not going to do is check to see when it came out. And if it came out three years ago, go, oh, you know what? I don't like this song anymore. New listeners don't care how old the song is. The algorithm doesn't care how old the song is. And all it's noticing is that people are listening now for some reason. And it's trying to figure out uh, why or who. And if you can use songs that you have that I know are old to you, because even if the song was only released two months ago, you likely wrote it six months ago, spent a lot of time mastering it. You've probably heard the song 309 times and it's old as hell to you. But to someone who hasn't heard your music or of you at all, period, yet, they don't necessarily care how old the song is. If you have a song that came out nine months ago and it is time and again the one that performs the best when you get it in front of people, then who cares how old it is? The business move is run the advertisement that's getting the most clicks. And if you're selling hoodies or sneakers, are you? do you care if the ad you made eight months ago was the one that sells the most hoodies? Who cares? It's the one that works. And we get this all the time. And what you can do is use the music you have now as a way to gather the information to eliminate guesswork. If you're inherently going to have to have to do guesswork to figure out generally where your target audience is, like then you're going to inherently swing and miss a good percentage of the time. Nobody can bat a thousand when they're a brand new product, artist, company, no car, no matter what. Nobody bats a thousand trying to acquire attention. If you're going to swing and miss and you're going to run experiments, why not use the songs that are already out, that are already available and are already that Spotify and the other streaming services have some idea as to who's listening. Hopefully have a little bit of data behind the songs. 
And you can use those songs as tools to not only acquire data to figure out when it's time to release a new song, where do you aim this thing, but it will also increase your ROI on any future ad spend because you're not going to have as much guesswork as you did when you're purely just saying, hello, everyone, fans of my genre. Anybody please listen to my music. Instead, now when it's time to release a new song, you might know, okay, well, generally the people that like me are in their 20s. They seem to be in the Southwest. And they also like artists one, two, three, and four. So now you went from saying, hello, anybody, anybody and everybody in the world to wait, wait a minute, my audience seems to kind of look like this. And that will greatly increase your ROI on any ad spend because guesswork is wasted money. What else we have? Here's a good question from Rod. As far as your services, what do you consider a good performing song after two weeks in the playlists? So that's going, that's going to be completely dependent on what we're comparing it to. We can't just compare a song to, we can't compare your song after two weeks to say Drake or even Kid Kid or someone bigger. We, there is a difference in also genre. So there's a lot of factors here that we have to think about when it comes to figuring out what is a good song after two weeks. What you're looking for is a one to 3% st- is a good area to be who are hitting in the genre like the song this can be i mean it's two weeks two weeks in a program is too short to even really talk about the data that's why we don't do that after two weeks we wait till after at least three weeks for most of our programs even four we want to know who's listening where they're listening how many saves you have and we want to compare it to other songs you have so that we can figure out what song is Spotify focusing on, what song is Spotify promoting. If Spotify finds that the retention rate of one song is higher than the other songs you have, that is the song that is good. It's not a certain number. It's just your retention rate in terms of monthly listeners and saves. Yeah, I think um, James, his internet cut up a little bit there, but... The key thing he said was the one to 3% save rate cut up right at that moment. And I want to echo that. And what you're looking for is that save rate to listeners, not to streams, because if somebody finds your song and loves it and they stream it 27 times, well, if you're counting your save to stream ratio, if they love it and listen to it 27 times. That hurts your ratio, which doesn't make any sense. Because that's the whole point. Find someone who saves it and listens to it 27 times. What you want to do is and you want to... Yeah, go, James, go ahead. I'm not saying you need so many weeks of data or so many months of data. You just need a something like a control group. When you experiment, experiments have a control group or someone you don't test to kind of have an idea of what's the average song. So if you only have one song, that's kind of your average now. Now you have to test some other songs to see was the average high or is that song lower than the others I have? And you just kind of, you want you don't want to guess. You can think it's the best song you've ever made, but it doesn't ultimately matter. What matters is what the listeners think and what Spotify thinks. So we want, after two weeks of a program, you're in a good spot of going, okay, let's compare this to another program. Yep. And anybody who's listening right now, we do have a team member in our Facebook chat. So if you do have particular questions about a program, our team member, Josh, is happy to help, and he can help you find the program that fits you best. I would say that the two-week program in particular is really meant to be a program that is meant to kind of show you how the program works. No song, we've been doing this for like a year and a half, and I bet we've run 300 different two-week campaigns. They're not built in a way where it's meant to like catch discover weekly immediately and go viral because it's just too few of an audience. And it's just, that's not how it works. 
it's really meant to be a way to show you how the program works, show you that one, the, the data is verifiable and real, but two, what it kind of looks like. And then what your brain starts to go and think of when you get the data. Oh, I have fans here. Maybe I can do this. What we're meant to do in our program is, of course, we can get you access to an audience and the audience will inherently create data. But our job is to not only get you the audience, but to be coordinators in a way and show you, okay, look, your data looks like this. Your goals look like this. How do we use this data to help you get to your goals? And there are no cookie cutter approaches because everyone has a different set of data and everyone has a different set of goals. You might think that everyone's goal is to quote unquote make it, but we always say you got to make a measurable goal. What is your measurable goal? How can we get there? And that's really what we're meant to do. And the two-week program is meant to be a, a nice entry way of getting your feet wet, seeing what it feels like, seeing if you like the water. And if you think it feels nice, time to dive in and get on the real call and get in front of a, you know, a bigger audience. Going from two-week to two-week, it's not ineffective, but it's not the most effective way to spend your money. Yeah. And I, we always like to say too, like you can use any playlist pitching you want, but if you don't understand the data you're collecting and how to use it, it's not going to matter. The streams look nice, but you need, you need to understand the data behind it and how you want to use that data. And that's the value of that we have that other just companies that just get you plays don't have those other companies just kind of throw you in playlists, say, congratulations. You now have 10,000 streams. Good luck. And, you know, that's fine. The thing, our service works in a way where if you have 100 people that can do that for you, then hell yeah. But, you know, now you got 101, but our value add is we can help you coordinate what the hell to do with all this data. Because like James said, if you just have it and you don't know how to use it or don't really know how to, to turn that data and to turn metrics into leverage, then it's not useless, but it's not as beneficial as it could be. And... We've got a great question here from Alexander. James can't see it, so I'm going to read it. He says, how much data do you need to start having Spotify do work for you and put you on people's Discover Weekly and release radar? Sounds like a you question. Well, I just talked for a while, so I want to hear your take first. <laughs> but you love to talk. <laughs> I'm going second. I'll close it out. You're the middle relief, man. I'm coming in to close them out. <laughs> so it's not a certain amount of data. It's certain patterns in the data that Spotify is looking for. Spotify is trying to find out who likes your music, who else do they listen to, and where are these people located? So that when Spotify finds your music and finds all that information, that's when they'll put it in front of these people on Discover Weekly and future music on release radar. So this could be 100,000 streams or it could be a million streams. The real process is you need to get a pattern in this data. Spotify has to find a pattern. For example, if you release a song and 10,000 people listen to it and all 10,000 people also listen to Mary J. Blige, your music will be promoted to people who listen to Mary J. Blige just because there's a pattern there. They know people who like this music seem to like this music. Let's try it. They're not going to do it right away in front of all 5 million people who listen to her, but they'll try maybe 15 people. And if 80% of those people, the retention rate's about 80%, they'll expand that the following week and the following week, and they'll build on it. So Discover Weekly is not a, this week I got 10 million streams and that's it. It's really going to be 10 to 15, 20, 25, 50, 75, Maybe back to 50 because they, they were incorrect someplace. They were, so they went backwards and then they go forwards again. It's a, it's a step. It's two steps forward, one step back is what Discover Weekly is. And because as they collect more data, the patterns change. It's just like your similar artist, the same thing's going to happen. As you get bigger, your similar artist is going to change because more data is added. And at the beginning, your similar artist may be maybe not your same genre. But it's people who are also being listened to by the, your listeners. And that's the pattern that Spotify found. It's not just making it up. It's not just pulling it up thin air. There's data behind what they're telling you. If they didn't have the data, they wouldn't tell you anything. 
Yep. So the takeaway here is there is no set number. It does not work in a threshold way, meaning like at 10,000 monthly listeners, that's when you'll get on Discover Weekly. It's a pattern. And we've seen people with 2,000 monthly listeners get on and get hit Discover Weekly, get hit by Discover Weekly, whatever. We've seen other folks who get up to 25,000 monthly listeners and still not have their similar artists created. Now that could be, sometimes it's depending on which promotional service you're using and the validity of the data. But nonetheless, there is no set number. There is no guarantee. If they can clearly define, okay, 23% of your fan base also likes Chance the Rapper. And wow, 19% also like, I don't know, Big Sean. And oh, wow, and 16% also like Kid Cudi. They can kind of clearly see, okay, well, let's make a Venn diagram and find people that fit either one or two or three of these similarities. And if they can clearly find a pattern, what they'll do is start testing the market. And they'll say, hypothetically, there's a million people that fit those Venn diagrams. They're not just going to throw it into all of them at once because they're in the business of sharing value add to their listeners. And they don't know if you're a value add yet. They just have an idea of who may be a fan of you. What they're going to do is test maybe a hundred discover weekly. Okay. We found people who are in their twenties and in cities like the ones that have that you have an audience in already. And guess what? We found 500 people who also like, like kid Cuddy, chance, the rapper and whoever else I said, <laughs> the idea is if they test that audience and they test 500 and they see, wow, 283 of these people listen to this song more than once and 150 of them saved it. Maybe this target audience with this artist, maybe we're on to something in terms of a value add. Maybe next week, instead of 500, I'm going to put it in front of 1500. And if the numbers are kind of the same, then they say, look, we are onto something. Kid Cudi fans also like this guy. And as the algorithm learns, the more just one, the broader of an audience they put you in front of, but then the more likely that that algorithm in and of itself selects you and your music to be up for consideration for editorial playlists. Because one of the things that a lot of people don't think about is that, of course, editorial playlists are chosen by an editor. That's the difference. But say hypothetically, an editorial playlist has 50 slots on that playlist. And the editor has just found 25 that he likes just on his own. He going to the barbershop, going to the mall, driving. He's at the gym. He is in the know of the music biz. He found 25 songs that really fit his playlist, but he's got 50 slots. So what does he do? He says, hey, algorithm, here is what my playlist and my audience typically looks like. Typically, here's what my audience resonates with the most. What songs fit these parameters? And if that playlist is one that also has a bunch of fans who are Kid Cudi, Chance the Rapper, and Big Sean, I think I said, if that editorial playlist, their audience has a pattern similar to yours, well, now the algorithm is going to put your song up for consideration to then be chosen by an editor. So it's all hinging upon the algorithm, and the algorithm is all hinging on data. And that's the same for similar artists. Um, you won't get similar artists to populate until they find enough patterns in the music, in the listener base that you have. So we've seen similar artists, even this week, we saw it populate at like 30,000 streams, but we've also seen it take 300,000 streams. So there's no answer of this is when you'll get similar artists. Most artists will never get similar artists. Yep, that's true. The, the, main, the majority of folks, think about it, there are 40,000 songs uploaded on Spotify every day. I, I don't know if it's accurate anymore, but I remember like six months ago, I saw some sort of stat that said there were like three or five million songs on Spotify that have never been streamed one time. 
think of, they're not even listening to their own music. Like they're not even once. Think of how many songs that is. And so Spotify would rather not list similar artists at all and inadvertently lead a listener astray. They would rather avoid that entirely than list. Yeah. I, I think I lost. Yeah. So they're not, they would rather lead people. They would rather not lead people astray than just make you feel good about having some similar artists. So until it has the data so to at least have some sort of idea as to your pattern in particular, okay, fans seem to generally like this guy, this guy, this guy. Until they have enough data that they feel comfortable where if a listener lands on your page, because they're in the business of keeping people on Spotify all day, and if, they, if somebody lands on an artist, eh, and then three in a row, they're like, eh, they're going to leave and go to Instagram. The biggest thing to remember is Spotify cares about it's paying subscribers. It does not care about the musicians at all. Not at all, but you know what I mean. It's business is it makes money from its people paying to listen to music. It does not make as much money from you uploading your music because you're paying someone like DistroKid. Spotify wants its money from its listeners and its advertisers. And if it gives the wrong information to its listeners, they will leave and go to Apple Music over time in a macro level. So that's why Spotify doesn't, they don't, they're, they don't need to guess. So they don't. And here's a great question. Hakeem. Great question. If I'm about to drop my very first single, should I go with your month programs? That's definitely you answer. Tell you, okay. Um, I would say if you only have one song, then yes, the one month is the smartest way to go because even if you have a good chunk of money available to promote, I would say at most do a two month program because we don't know how this song is going to resonate yet. And before you go all in, you want to at least have some sort of idea as to where it's going to resonate, where you add uh, aim this advertisement. So at the most, I would do a two-month program if this is your very first song and you have no idea what you're doing in terms of, hey, I got no data. What do I do? The most I would do is a two-month max. Or I'm sorry, a two-month. And then once we get some data, if we find in three or four weeks, hey, this song is resonating with people. It's resonating with people in their 20s who are in Philadelphia and also like Wiz Khalifa or whatever. If we know we have something that resonates with people, now we can feel a lot more comfortable about putting more money behind it. So you don't want to come out swinging for grand slams at first. If you have not, you don't, you've never faced this pitcher before. You've never seen him wind up. You got to take a couple pitches, feel it out before you start swinging for the grand slam. I want to answer the question about Apple music. Here we go. Hakeem, great question. Thank you. Guys, keep the questions coming. They're great. We're going to turn this into a podcast later too, and sooner or later we're going to have people be video guests on the show. So if you get some good questions, maybe we'll ask you to join. I know you have a sponsor for wine. It's going to be great. Right. We'll get Gary V to sponsor it. So um, here we go. Are you looking for this one? Pyrex Press. There we go. Is there a reason you do not work with Apple? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, Next question. <laughs> <laughs> so there's many reasons. Um, at your level, what you need to know is Apple does not provide you data on where the streams are coming from in terms of your, your music, an algorithm, a playlist. It doesn't tell you what playlist. It doesn't tell you any of that. So you have no clue. If we did work for Apple, if, in, or we partnered with people for Apple, we cannot verify that they're using real streams because we can't tell where the plays are coming from. Now, on top of that, when you do get plays on Apple, all it tells you is the region that they're in, like the United States or India. It won't tell you New Jersey. It won't tell you California. It won't tell you Norway. It'll just like Europe. This data is valuable to a certain extent, but it's not preferable. Further than that, 
Apple Music started late. Apple Music started and automatically relied on algorithm. When Spotify started, it was driven by user curated playlists. So companies like uh, what was it? Um, Deezer. Was it? There was. I think Deezer was one of them. There's a bunch of companies that started Spotify on Spotify and allowed users to make playlists. And then what they did on those websites, Sony, UN, uh, UMG, everyone bought out those websites and bought those playlists for themselves. They, so Spotify has been driven uh, by user-curated playlists since it started. So what Spotify does, it heavily relies on the data from those playlists when it is making its algorithm choices. Playlists on Apple Music were never really a thing. So you can go buy playlist placements on Apple Music. I, we just did it a few weeks ago. We tried a new, someone new. And they literally put us on playlists numbered 161 through 171. They're like, here's your 10 playlist. It was just initials and a number, literally a number sign in number 163. Your song's on it. You got 10 playlists. That's not going to, people aren't looking for that. People aren't going to listen to that. So the benefit of being there, just because they pay more, doesn't mean anything. You need traction to get Apple Music to recognize who you are, to get on their algorithm. You get traction through sources that you can see. So Spotify provides you similar artists and things like that, where you can start targeting advertisements at those similar artists, fan bases. Apple Music doesn't give you any of that. So you're not able to build traction by just relying on Apple Music where you are able to build traction by just relying on Spotify and running ads based on Spotify data. If you run ads based on Spotify data, your chances of people finding you, even if they use Apple Music, increase because they'll find you through the advertisements that you run. Yep, and we got a good comment here from JLo. He says, Apple is lazy with their artist app. That's true. They're so far behind the eight ball, they didn't even release this for beta until like the ending. And now it's like, Oh, sweet. Thanks. Thanks for the very in-depth information, Apple. It says you have a thousand listeners on planet Earth. Sweet. Thanks. Very in-depth. I can definitely use this. And we know Apple knows everything about us. It tracks everything you do on your phone. It's listening to us right now. And I'm going to get an advertisement for Apple Music in a little bit. Yep. Here's a great, uh, great addition. Um, Someone was saying it... So it does tell you the cities, but it does it. It sends you it to you like in a report at the end of the month. Okay, well, if I release my song on the second and I'm looking to run ads for the month, it's not going to do me any good if I don't get the report until July 4th. <laughs> and a big thing about Spotify that I left out is we, there's a big psychology benefit to having a high streaming number on Spotify. We always say don't buy fake plays. Fake plays exist because that streaming number exists. Fake plays don't exist for any other reason. But that streaming number increases the odds that if someone lands on your page, they may give a song a chance. So if you promote music on Spotify, you're give, you're collecting data, but you're also giving your library the appearance that people are listening to your music, and that's important. Yep. Um, okay, so we're getting a few people here asking about one of the big things we do with these webinars, and we call them Wine Wednesday because uh, we are usually drinking some cab. Um, <laughs> but a big part of this, uh, that we, what we want to do to say thanks for folks who come and join us and hear us ramble on and on about the music industry, is we want to give people discounts and entice them to join our program. We know that um, when it comes to Spotify promotion, unfortunately, there are a lot of I don't know. Un, there are a lot scams. of questionable. Yeah, there are a lot of scams. Let's just face it. Every, I was a musician. I'm still a musician. I still kind of dick around. But I was, you know, I was really promoting my music for like 10 years ish, nine, eight, nine years, something like that. And, you know, I know what it's like to, to inadvertently step on a landmine when I'm trying to market my Spotify and spend my money on a service or, that ended up being not legit or put my money into some guy who promised me the world and then didn't deliver. And there's a lot of two-step forward, 10-step back kind of services out there, especially for Spotify. So we understand the concern. I've been there. I've been scammed. I know what it likes, what it's like. I know what a scam promotion looks like because unfortunately I've probably been in like 10 of them over the course of my life. And, um, 
So we have a few guarantees built into our program to make musicians feel a lot more comfortable about promoting with us. We have a verifiable data guarantee, meaning we don't guarantee a set amount of streams because we don't know how our audience is going to react to your song. If they love it, they could listen to it a hundred thousand times. If it doesn't resonate with the particular audience might not do very well, but nonetheless, the data that we do create will be 100% verifiable in the Spotify for artist app and with your distributor. So us, DeNovo Agency, does not have any sort of partnership with these distributors. We do not have a partnership with Spotify or Spotify for Artists. However, all the data from our playlists will appear on both platforms for two third-party verifications that you can use to cross-verify the data that are coming directly from our playlists. Spotify will tell you how old the folks are, what cities they're in, how, what gender they are, and over time, Spotify will tell you your similar artists. It may not come right away. It needs to determine that pattern. But nonetheless, they are collecting that data and working on it. So our program also includes a consultation where you can hear me ramble on for half an hour or you can bring some questions and have us answer them. A lot of times people like to ask particular legal questions about their business, about LLCs. We had a good example here today about somebody asking if they needed a copyright. Legal questions like that are things that James, the attorney, this is a mere thing, so pardon me. He's over here. James is an attorney. I know he doesn't look like one, but. Uh, <laughs> it's probably for the best. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't even know. What He's not in a suit right now. So, okay, we'll let it slide. Um, James is a barred attorney. He didn't just go to law school. He is a barred attorney. And. Um, he can help you with questions about LLCs, trademarks, split sheets, royalties, whatever. Now the tooth program puts one song in front of 60,000 people for 60 days. And it's in a cut of five to eight playlists, kind of depending on your song and the genre and what the availability is. But it's around 60,000 people in the audience either way. What this does, if, if you buy our two-month program for $5.99, we will give you a one-month program for a second song that you can run at the same time for free. So that way, on the first month, you're in front of a total of about 90,000 people and a total of about 9 to 14 playlists or something like that. said earlier, I'm not a mathematician. <laughs> but this is a great way. What we recommend is if you have a lead song, if you have a song that is already, it already seems to be doing well, let's put that in the two-month program. Let's get more eyes and ears on what Spotify is saying or is saying where the iron's already hot. Hey, the iron's already hot here. Let's hit where the iron's already hot. Instead of trying to figure out where it's hot, we, it's showing it's hot here, let's hammer down on it. On the free one month, that's an area where we use to try to see, is the iron hot over here with this song too? This way we get to do both. You're overlapping songs. You're hitting the algorithm from however many playlists I said at once. <laughs> and um, it's a great way to hammer down on what's already working and gather information to grow your fan base at the same time. So this kind of goes into some people have asked, what if I already have data? You never have enough data. And if you already have data, you should know what your lead song is at this point. If you don't know that, then you don't have enough data. If you have one song with 2,000 streams, I promise that's not enough data. So what you need, we will look at everything you have. So if you want to pay 15 different people to promote your music on Spotify, we can help you understand all of that data. That's not a problem. But we want to make sure that you understand what that data is. We don't care where it came from, but it's valuable. And it's going to change over time. When you first start, think about someone like Mac Miller. When he first started, his listeners were completely different than his most recent album. His music was different. It wasn't the same. Kids was completely different than Circles. So the data he collected was completely different between those two albums. Just be like between two songs, you're going to have different data. And it's completely dependent on it, on what the song is even think about someone like drake he released a song that uh 
Trump danced to on Saturday Night Live, whatever song that was. <laughs> that song does not have the same audience as a song like <laughs> a song like God's Plan or even one of his newest songs. My mom wouldn't listen to one of his newest songs, but I bet you she's heard that song that was on Saturday Night Live. Aubrey, Aubrey Graham, this is Donald. I have an idea. I have a remix. I have an idea for a remix. God's plan. It was terrific. It was terrific. But I think we could do a little bit to make it better. I think we're going to call it Don's plan. Okay. That's what we're going to do. We're going to call it Don's plan. It's going to be terrific. It's going to be tremendous. Really going to be the great song. Maybe the greatest song that anybody has ever heard. Anybody. Anywhere. Don's plan. (laughs) Watch. It's going to be on Fox News tomorrow now. (laughs) (laughs) This just in... Donald Trump partnering with a black Canadian. Oh, is it? Rabble, 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 rabble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, their pants. Who cares about the coronavirus? Now his base is just mad that he's singing with a Canadian person. <laughs> maybe we need two walls. Maybe we need two. Maybe we need a couple big walls. Maybe a moat. Maybe a moat. I heard, uh, I heard the, maybe they can't swim. I don't know. That's what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> alligators, alligators in the moats. There's alligators at my golf course. I don't like them. I don't like them. <laughs> very scary. Very scary. They got big teeth. Big, big teeth. Someone had asked about um, us naming scams, which I'm not going to do, but I will tell you things to look for uh, because naming scams. The biggest thing to know is if someone says pay X amount and you'll make more, it's probably fake. There's no way in hell they have a system that they can plug you into and make money off of it. If they did, they would not sell it. That's just like sports gambling. If someone has picks, they make more money off of it. Betting against all of you people don't have the picks. Same thing with music. So one of the easiest things, if someone says pay $20, get 100,000 streams and make 60. That is not true. It's not going to happen. Secondly, if you are using a service and your streams all come in on your profile within an hour and it says they all clicked on your profile and listened to your song and that was it. Listened once and disappeared. It's fake. Another thing to look for, if the playlists do not have names, I do not understand how someone listens to the playlist. I've seen this many times. People have a playlist. They claim to have playlist placement streams. So Elliot and I will pay. I'll use some of Elliot's old music. I'll say, screw it. Let's try. See if we can get in trouble. Toss Elliot's old song. (laughs) (laughs) Toss some of Elliot's old songs into the playlist. They just approve every. They accept everything, and they throw it in the playlist. And within a day, we have 20,000 streams from 19.9 thousand listeners, and the playlist has no name, and it's gone. And they, that's it. Another thing to look for, guarantees. Guarantees are minimum streams, saves, followers. If they're guaranteeing any saves or any followers, it's likely fake. No one's going to follow you if they've never heard of you before and listened to one song. It's just not going to happen. People want followers for the wrong reasons. People do not follow people on Spotify. It's not a social media platform. They're not just going to follow you because they like one of your songs. They might save the song. That's way more realistic but you're not going to get 230 followers out of 2,000 listeners. It's not going to happen. I don't care if they listen to the song a thousand times. I still don't follow people. I don't follow Big Sean. I love all of his music. I've heard him many times. I don't follow him. It doesn't matter. Yep. Yep. A lot of people, a lot of people jump a step. They're looking where are my fans? Where are my fans? How can I find my fans? How do I connect with my fans? The short answer is you don't have any fans yet. You can't, they don't exist because think about what the true definition of a fan is. How many people are you truly a fan of? A hundred artists? I doubt it. How many artists have you seen in concert? A hundred? Or is it like, you know, 12. So a true fan, someone who to me is, a, is someone who takes it upon themselves without being asked to dive into your content because they like it. 
it just that's it. They didn't see an advertisement. They didn't hear it in somebody else's car. And like someday they're like, you know what? I like that guy. And they're going to dive into your old music videos. And they're going to maybe then they'll follow you on Facebook or Twitter or whatever or Spotify. But people jump a step to say, where are my fans? How can I connect with my fans? The step, the step that they're jumping is the step of finding the group above. Think of it like a filter. People filter over time after hearing your song 30 times or seeing you on Instagram for three months or hearing three or four songs five or six times a piece. They don't just become a fan and after hearing a song one time, one day after hearing a brand new artist for the first time. Wow, this song was fucking incredible. I'm immediately a fan. When can I buy tickets to see you in concert? It's not how it works. So the, the step that people jump is the top of that filter of at fans filter through, but the group they filter in from is your target audience. At the very beginning of promoting your music and trying to find your fan base, you're not necessarily looking to immediately connect with each individual. What you're trying to do is take it one step above that and see, well, what do the individuals that seem to like my music have in common? How can I find more of them? Once you find that initial target audience group of it, call it 10 million people that might fit people that are fans of Kid Cudi, Big Sean and Chance the Rapper. That's your target audience of that 10 million, maybe over the course of a year and a half and pumping them with ads and making good content, getting the Spotify algorithm to spread your music for you after they see your content over and over again. That's when they filter down to become a fan. It doesn't happen in one day song or one song the thing is is they might be a fan of that song but not of you there are a lot of people who are aware of people that make music but they're not necessarily fans i'm very well aware of french montana and i like a lot of his songs but i will probably never pay to see him in concert not because i think he's a douche or something i just not i'm not a fan you know I, he's okay I like some of his songs. I'm aware of him. I see his shit everywhere, but am I a fan? No. So it takes a long time. If, if you widen the goal a little bit, instead of saying, well, I got to connect with these individual fans, I think, no. Of course, yes, that's the macro goal, but not tomorrow. If somebody reaches out to you on Instagram or something, that's a different story than hell yeah. But like on a macro level, you should be trying to find what the people who listen to you seem to have in common. And if you can find that it's people in their mid-20s who are fans of Kid Cudi, Chance the Rapper, and Big Sean, and you know, 83% of them seem to be male, well, now you know what group to target over and over and over again with multiple songs, multiple videos, multiple Facebook posts, and Instagram posts, whatever. But you churn that target audience through uh, the fucking ringer. And whoever filters through becomes the fan. And that takes a lot of time and a lot of um, touches, a lot of redundancy. And if you don't have a plan to account for that, then good luck. Can I do one more question? Yep. And uh, anybody, I'll touch on this. G uh, uh, Josh, guy on our team, he's in the chat right now. And if you have questions about the program, he is more than happy to help you. Um, he said that we have some questions about people asking if they can use the data they already have. Of course, because now we already have a target that we can aim at. And if we're finding that fans of your music seem to like this kind of stuff, of course we can use that data. Um, he's there to help. We can lock in the program as soon as today. But yeah, let's wrap it up. Let's take one more question here and call it a day. I got to pour myself that glass of wine. James, what are you drinking tonight? Cab. I've got some cab. I don't know the brand. There's buy one, get one at Publix. Great deal. There we go. That's why we're doing, we're doing the same deal as Publix, baby. Buy one, get one. <laughs> okay. Um, here's a good one. Oh, two good ones. I'm going with, oh, actually, Pyrex already got one. I don't know. 
I think it's a better question. Okay, here we go. James, what are your thoughts on name changes? He went through a rebranding from a data collection side. Is this a hindrance? The hindrance is not the name change itself and the data because these people who like you will like you. The hindrance is the fact that now these people who like you for your old name need to realize that you're the same person. It takes about 30 touches for someone to be comfortable with you enough and be familiar enough to give you a chance. So say you were at 29 with your old name and you change names, you're at zero again. And now you have to get in front of that person and get them comfortable with you. What you think about music on the radio, when a new song comes out, most people don't like it. It's not until the radio plays it 18, 19, 20, 30, 40 times that people finally start to listen to it. It becomes a big deal. And it becomes a big deal because the labels are pushing and advertising it. So this advertising budget is how you overcome that hindrance of someone not recognizing you and knowing you and having that familiarity with you. I like it. I went through, I changed my name as an artist um, twice. And I think, I think if you're going to go rebrand, you go all in and you wash and you start over and you take the data in your head and say, okay, cool. Last time people in Seattle seemed to fuck with me. So, okay, let's start there. That's a good starting point. But I would say you're almost like, okay, one company went bankrupt and now you got a new company, a new brand, a new product. And people don't necessarily need to know if it, whatever company you were before. And it's a fresh start. And I think if you view it that way, that might be a good way to do it. Um, in terms of you can't transfer, it's going to view you as a completely new artist. So you can use that to advantage. And it's really up to you. If you have a plan, then yeah, do it. Go with what go with your gut. If you don't want to be your, if you want people rebrand all the time, go for it. Okay. So any you, last thoughts? What's that? How about, yeah, real quick. Do you want to touch on discount again and guidelines for when what we look for when we're accepting music? Sure. This update is brought to you by DeNovo. Okay. Um <laughs> It's been a while. We've been talking to clients all day. I'm losing my mind. All right. So there are a few qualifications that we look for in terms of accepting a song into our program. First and foremost is the quality. Does it look like you give a shit? If so, first check. Done. Studio quality. How does the, the album cover look? Does it look like garbage? If it passes the eye test, then it moves to the ear test. What we're looking for is overall studio quality. And if we think it fits an audience we have, it doesn't necessarily matter if I think your song is a hit or if I don't love it. I'm very much more interested in what the audience says. And I'm kind of caught in my ways. I like the five or six rappers I like, and that's pretty much it. So it doesn't really matter what I think of it. What I can tell is if it's studio quality and if I think it fits our audience. That's what matters. If it does fit our audience, then we do accept it. If you were to submit into the program, within 48 hours, if it's accepted, you will have received notice, and it will be up in the playlists. And then they will remain there for... Once they're in, you get the full extent of the program. So it's not like you buy the 60-day program and, oh, in day two, it's live. Now I only get 58 days. Nope. Once it's live, you get the full 60. And the qualifications are, is it high quality? Do you view this like a business? And if so, do we have an audience that it fits? Because we don't want to accept a song to an audience that we know we don't have. And then have you be pissed and post a story that says we suck and now 10 musicians you know aren't going to work with us. So, and I'll touch on real quick something yeah. there. Yep. 
We aren't going to help you decide what song to start with. We will help you on consultation calls, figure out what song, what the data is telling us. But if you pick a song to start, it's your first song ever with us, and you pick an instrumental, we will still promote that instrumental to an audience that we think will like it. But if you were on a playlist listening for, looking for new music on your drive to the gym or at the gym, and you came across an instrumental, odds are it's not going to do as well as some other type of music. So you have to be smart with what you're picking to submit as well. Because just if we think we don't know what's going to do well and what's not, we are not the listeners. There's a lot of music I don't like that does really well in all sorts of sorts of areas. So I'm not going to oversee everything and step down and go, nope, that's a country song. I don't like it. No, that's an <laughs> instrumental. Do not promote it. It's not going to do well. I don't know that it might, but be realistic with what you're submitting and what you expect for results. If you've been throwing instrumentals to other platforms and you're getting 200 followers every time, something's off. And I don't think it's our listeners. I think it's those other platforms that are guaranteeing stuff to you. Yep. Okay. Um, guys, I think we're coming here coming close to the end. So first and foremost, I want to thank everybody who's been here. The code webinar will get you a free one month program. What you got to do is you put the two month program in your cart, you fill it out, you go back, you fill out a second one month program for a second song, you put that sucker in your cart, then right at the payment screen, you put in the coupon code webinar, it will make the one month free. And um, we love doing this thing. We found this new fancy software, so we hope it looks and sounds a little bit better. We've got our microphones, and um, what we're doing is we're turning these into podcasts, and we've heard, uh, we've listed a few of these on our podcast already. So if you have a favorite streaming platform, find DeNovo Agency podcast there. It's called The Business of Music from DeNovo Agency. Also on Spotify, we have a new independent artist spotlight. That's a playlist that we made that we want to highlight uh, independent artists who are doing their music their way. We just wanted to get some eyes and ears on people who we think are really good. And some of them are clients. Some of them are just folks we've found and because of the algorithm. So we've really enjoyed this. And uh, James, let's give you the last word. Discount is active until 3 a.m. Eastern time, midnight Pacific. Or Western, as Elliot Western calls it. Western time. <laughs> That's right. Taking it all out of West. Western <laughs> time. All right. And uh, join us next week. Um, I'm sure Donald Trump will be back. And maybe Peter Griffin will call in. What we're going to try to do is going to get um, a guest or something so we can have somebody uh, easier to look at than us. And, or something. Or something. And... Um, yeah so we look forward thank you for everyone who's joined us you can find a copy of this stream on facebook probably like in five minutes and <laughs> it'll probably be up on youtube and we're going to cut it up and put it up on instagram too so thank you very much for joining us find the business of music podcast on spotify and itunes search de novo agency and we will join you next week thank you <laughs> All right, well, I think by the end you could clearly tell that I had had too much wine. But aside from that, I think that was some pretty good content. Um, if you liked that conversation and want to be part of more in the future, we do this every Wednesday live from our Instagram account at denovo.agency. And if you liked this podcast, we do have others. And be sure to check out our independent artist, Spotlight. That's a playlist we made here on Spotify. If you're a musician, check out our free DNA toolkit, and that can teach you how to grow a fan base. We'll see you soon.